Welcome back, everyone, to episode four of the Split Deep Dive with me, Ben. And me, Tyler. All right, everyone, we're back. Episode four. Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing quite good today. Pretty hyped for this episode. We got some, you know, we'll start with our two, a couple, you know, events going on, and then we'll get into our main topic for today. Yeah, you know, our first few episodes, you know, we talked about the Super Bowl, we talked about UFC, talked about fishing and the Olympics. Oh, and real quick, guys, we do apologize for our audio quality last week. It was quite, um, quite loud and inaudible, we'll say. But this week, we are hoping we have changed our settings and we are hoping for nice, smooth quality audio throughout today's episode. Yeah, we'll make sure that's fixed. I posted on the Instagram just to let everyone know. But if you didn't see that, yeah, we'll make sure. Hopefully, the audio quality is back up to standard for this episode. Yeah, for this episode, we're going to be talking about a different topic, not really related to sports. Um, we're going to be talking about some studying tools and how to beat procrastination. But before that, Tyler, do you want to lead us into our first? Yes, I'll um, get into pre-topic. our first uh, pre-topic about um, avocados. So after $120 million in losses, the U.S. resumes avocado imports from Mexico. But avocado prices are still expected to rise in the short term. Less than a week after the United States Department of Agriculture announced that it would halt avocado exports from Mexico, following an anonymous threat directed at one of our inspectors in the country, the agency has officially reincited the decision to um, keep um, avocado imports coming back to our stores today in cities. So, Ben, what do you think about this avocado imports before I get, you know, into the uh, into the parts about it? You know, who doesn't love a good avocado, you know, Tyler? Yes. I mean, avocados and avocado, you can go to one store, you get a low price, and you go to another store, it'll be a lot higher. So I have seen the avocado prices go up because avocado actually, I think we'll get into this later, later episode. I mean, we plan on doing bulking today, but for, for unseen circumstances, we were unable to do. And avocado is actually a really good food for bulking, which we get to, uh, I think, next week, maybe. But um. The USDA's um, annual plant inspection service resumed the inspections of Mexican grown avocados on February 18th after the agreement between the Mexican counterpart and the Association of Avocado Procedures and Package Exports of Mexico. According to a press release, the agreement indicated addition measures that enhance safety for PHIS inspector workers in the field. The agency didn't elaborate on what those safety measures might be, but stress that the safety of the USDA employees simply doing their jobs is a paramount importance. Um, so even though it is only lasted a short term, the USDA's decision to block Mexican avocado imports was extremely costly for both American consumers and Mexican producers. According to a statement provided by just provided to the eater by the APEAM, the interpretation likely results in a cost of more than $120 million in the United States throughout the supply chain, impacting wholesale retail and service industries at both the state and national levels. So that's kind of the end of the avocado thing. So avocados are back or now being back in, or they're still being imported from Mexico. 
prices will raise. I'm just guessing that they'll maybe you start they'll plateau later on and they'll kind of maybe go back down a little bit. But that's really it for the avocados. Ben, what was your one topic before I get into my next one? All right, so I'm going to be talking about um, a Premier League uh, soccer team or fo- football team, um, Chelsea Football Club. So there's some news about them recently. Their longtime owner has stepped away from ownership of the club. Um, I'm not going to get into the exact reasons, the political reasons, but um, the owner, Roman Abramovich, Roman Abramovich, is Russian, but we're not going to get into those political um, details. But um, yeah, that's caused some concern because he's been a big help for the club um, financially supporting them over these last um, almost like 20 years. I think he's owned the club. And um, so Chelsea, they have a, um, a big final. It should be today as this podcast is dropping against um, Liverpool in the e- EFL Cup final. Um, it's going to be a good game. You know, an tr- uh, opportunity for a trophy for both teams. And um, I think it's going to be a real competitive game between two of the best teams in England. And yeah, that's some news about that um, with Chelsea. I'm about some stuff behind the scenes with them and um, their upcoming game in the EFL Cup final. That's basically it for that. Unless you guys say anything, Tyler. Yeah, I got um, it. It sounds quite interesting, but... um... To my second topic here, I was just kind of, you know, looking through the news and I found this one really interesting article that I really want to share with you guys. Should you be letting your food cool down before refrigerating? Here's what food experts say. From a food safety perspective, it's totally not necessary to bring food down to a room temperature before popping in the fridge as the refrigeration process will rapidly cool down the hot food and prevent bacteria growth, according to the United States Department of Agriculture. Still, you may want to consider letting hot dishes chill on the counter for a bit to preserve their taste and texture. For texture and taste are very important, as I'm sure you know, when you're eating good, delicious foods. For example, if you make a baked mac and cheese with a crispy crumb top when, when covered and put in the fridge while it is still hot, the heat will cause condensation to occur on the lid of the container, which will then rain down on the crispy topping and leave it soggy in texture. And that soggy texture, we I'm sure we all know, just like texture, it's kind of, it's not good. It's like a sandwich and you a pack you pack a sandwich and has a pickle in it and the pickle juice just makes the bread all, uh, yeah. So a self-serve certified food safety expert and authority of the bold confessions of a grocery store addict. In this sense, I'd like to console cool to room temperature before it can ever convey into the refrigerator. So now to get into our today's main topic, which is study strategies and how to be most productive when studying. So, um, Ben, before we're going into that, do you have any uh, anything you want to preliminary things you want to say before we really get dive, do a deep dive into today's topic? Well, you know, studying, beating procrastination, all these things are really important um, for me and Tyler and, you know, our age and um, as we advance into as we get older. And I'm sure it will be a, um, an important thing for a lot of our younger listeners um, yeah, it's very important to have know the best ways to study and um, to get the best use out of your time and to have the best results from that. So yeah, we're going to get into some different 
um, studying ideas, um, what to do, um, different yeah. parts. And yeah, so want to get into the. All right, the I'll get started with that. This is passive learning. Yeah, so, well, real quick, for most of these things that we're going to talk about, our preference, we'll bring in some studies and some stats about different things, but a lot of stuff is preference. And also, this is like Ben was saying, you know, I wouldn't say younger, but this really reaches to any level, college, um, anything, college, high school, junior high school, and any of those. So starting out, like Ben said, active versus passive. Inactive is the way you're going to want to go because passive is just you're sitting there listening to a lecture, but active, it will be more difficult, but also it'll be more rewarding. So there's some different things or four, four main words I say when I'm using the active, active, active strategy, identify, organize, memorize, apply. So to get your information to study, you're first to be obtaining. So when you identify, well, when you're obtaining, the first thing you're going to do is identify what is important when you're listening to a lecture or reading a textbook. The second part of obtaining is organizing information so that you understand it. So create charts, put your information into charts so that they're easy to understand so that when you go back, you see what's there and what's important. So then after you identify and organize the two parts of obtaining the information, you review the information by memorizing and applying. And a way you can apply, memorizing and applying is kind of, kind of the same. But when you're memorizing and applying, you can do practice quizzes and many different things that um, this practice quizzes mainly are the one thing that you really want to do. Practice quizzes, flashcards, all those things. And space repetition, we'll, we'll get into it in just a second. But uh, Ben, you want to maybe go into our next part about learning environments? Yeah, so learning environments. Um, this is one thing that is kind of up to preference. There's different, you can study every, anywhere, basically. Um, you could go after school to the library, to the coffee shop. Um, you could just study at your desk um, alone or with people. You know, I'd say if you're with people, try to keep it down to two or three. So I think um, studying with like a lot of your friends can be very distracting. Yeah. And I think just, for me, especially. Well, real quick. Yeah, you only want to have two, one or two other people, including yourself. Because if you get more than that, you guys just start talking about other stuff and it's not productive. So bad. Yeah, you know, for me, especially, I think I usually prefer to study alone just because, you know, when I'm with my friends, even if we all come to study, you know, we're probably going to get off topic and not be as efficient. So, you know, Tyler, what's some of your favorite places to study or what do you prefer, studying alone or with people? Yes, I kind of, um, as we get into a second about novel stimuli and routines, I have kind of picked the Novel, I do about 50-50. Well, also, when you're studying with people, you're going to do about 50-50% of that. 50% by yourself, 50% with people. But um, when you, well, me, personally, I like to study in library. I've studied in the library once. It wasn't, not really. But I'll mainly, um, mainly study at different places, coffee shops, at home. In the morning, I'll study at home. In the afternoon, I actually like to... Um, studied other coffee shops can't name any in particularly but um yeah and then routine and novels to me like i was saying routine you're gonna need a lot of discipline and it's gonna be the same place same time every single day but then novel stimuli which is that i kind of experiment with i'll always i can always fall back on my routines i've created many good routines throughout the uh 
throughout the years. Maybe we can get into another episode. Not maybe not today. But my routines will just be same time, same place, same thing every day. I mean, not same thing. You get your new subjects every day. But then your novel stimuli, which I also experiment with, it'll improve recall and retention. And that would just be a you know a new place, new place, different times, uh, different people. And then, but it's harder to maintain. And novel stimuli will kind of it'll kind of cause burnout. So what about you, Ben? Are you more of a novel stimuli or a routine kind of guy? Um, you know, I think I work better when I have a routine. I think it helps me be more efficient with my work and it really gets me down to a, a real discipline where I'm doing that, make sure I'm, I'm studying for the right amount of time every day. But I think, you know, um, say not novel stimuli, um, you know, that's, you know, sometimes what I lean on more, you know, having, trying out different things. But I think for me, having a routine works better. Um, yeah, because eventually yeah. everyone will really find, you kind of start with your novel stimuli, and then eventually everyone just finds what they prefer to do. And you just experiment with different things, because you might think one thing is really working for you, but then someday you just decide to do something else, and it works way better. And also, changing it up, like 50-50, sometimes, like I was saying earlier. Um, so you want me to talk about uh, my next thing, obtaining info? Yeah, go for it. All right, so you have different ways to obtain info. The two main ones, which is through lectures and through textbooks. So, so for lectures, you have different options, um, either in person, either in a class or in a lecture hall, or um, you can do, there's many online lectures, either through a podcast or a video or a recorded lecture. And that really comes down to preference. There's some pros and cons to each. I think when you're actually there, um, it can help you be more engaged and as we talked about before, it can help you get into more of a routine. But if you're listening online to, a, say, a podcast, um, you can either you can speed it up, um, you can pause it when you want, um, you can go back. And yeah, so Tyler, what do you prefer? Um, let's just talk about the lecture part for now. Do you prefer um, in person or do you think you learn better something online? Like yeah, a podcast? I prefer going to a lecture hall for sure. And one thing about, I've seen people do this, is they record the lecture and listen to it later. Do not do that. That is a waste of your time. It's just because you were there listening to the lecture, you take notes then. And if you're so, real quick, about taking notes. So you can either write notes, um, you know, by hand, or you can type them. When you're writing, you're going to be slower, of course. So that's going to cause you to more summarize the notes, which is a lot more of an active recall. And then it'll, yeah, improve recall. But then when you're typing, you can normally type pretty quick, just about as quick as the professor is giving you your lecture. And then you can just copy verbatim of what he's saying, which is very passive. You're not really summarizing, you have to be active in your thinking. So Ben, what I don't, I can't recall if you said, are you a lecturer in person or are you going to listen to the podcast or online? I think I definitely learn better um, for an in-person lecture or in class, I think it just helps me be more engaged and just give me more, become more of an active learner and really get engaged and learn better. So yeah, we basically talked about lectures. Do you wanna get into textbooks and different ways you can learn from those? So textbooks, you can you summarize your information in your own words. So what I'll do, or a lot of other people do this too, is you take your notes from your textbook, or actually this works for lectures too. 
you take notes from lectures and textbooks and, you know, on paper. And then what you can do is you can condense, let's say you have three pages of notes. You can condense them to one page notes and maybe you need to go farther to a half page summary. So you really summarize in your own words and identify the important information. And not again, active recall is much better than passive. If this is the one thing you take away from this lecture, it is going to be active recall. Okay. Passive is the worst thing. You're, it's not, it will not help you at all. So is there anything else you want to add about textbooks? Um, no, I think you basically covered it. All right. So then as we were saying earlier, after you obtain your information, you need to review your information. So like I was just kind of saying with textbooks, summarize your information, condense three pages of notes into one page or even go farther half page. And then space repetition, which I've kind of been hinting to throughout the beginning of this episode is space. So space repetition is where you increase the interval at which you study. So let's say you study at, you obtain the information at day zero. Okay. So you'll review that information, get day one, day three, day six, day 11, so forth. So you review it right before you're going to forget it so that you're actively recalling the information in your mind. And another way to review is flashcards. Make your own, okay, make your own flashcards. People who just take other people's study sets, they're not getting, they're not really getting as much information from these, from these lectures. They just, the flashcards, yeah, making your own flashcards makes you recall what the professor was saying in the lecture. And like I was saying again, more, it's more active recall and do the flashcards daily. And, you know, knocking, when you might sit down and do a bunch of flashcards, like a 30 minute period, but that, you know, can cause burnout. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's, yeah, it's pretty good. But also if you're just, you know, standing in line at the grocery store, waiting in line for a coffee or something or waiting for your friends, you just knock out a couple of cards, just sit there, you get like 10 minutes, you can get a good amount of cards done. So um, Ben, you want to talk about test day and tests? Yeah. So but you basically covered everything with reviewing. So, you know, once you reviewed, you either use your flashcards, you've condensed everything down, you get to the day of the test, the day of the big exam you've been doing all the studying for. So some people might think it's best to, the night before, just do a ton of cramming. It's going to get everything in your mind. It's going to be ready. That's not going to be your best option because you're going to get there and you're going to be tired. You're going to forget things. All the stress is going to get to you. And, you know, I've, I've done that before, you know, I've crammed the night before and I've kind of just cracked under the stress. I've been tired. I haven't really been able to um, perform my best. So what you want to do, you want to make sure you get some good rest the night before. Um, you want to get some a good rest. You want to have a good breakfast. So you're nice and prepared. It's going to help your mind work faster. And that's even if you didn't get that last minute cramming, that last review, you're going to have a faster brain function, which is going to help you perform better um, on your test, your exam, and help you get that better grade. And yeah, Tyler, do you have to say yeah. that? So like Ben was saying, you study, you do all the hard work, and then test days where you should show. It's like Joe Burrow. He puts all the work. puts <laughs> <laughs> all the work in early, and then he just comes down to um comes down to test day or the game day you get to show up what you've learned and then um so once you do that now let's get to the how to stop procrastinating just 
being productive. So when you're doing, when you want to stop procrastinating, what you do, you just have to start. If you don't start, how are you getting anything done? And it might be hard starting. So what you can do is just start with five minutes. And after five minutes, you can see if you need a break. And most of the time, or me at least, I won't need a break. You just keep going. You just keep momentum, making momentum and going forward. And break your work time into sizable chunks. You don't need to finish everything in one sitting, okay? Create checklists. If you create checklists of what you need to accomplish, you create those checklists. And as you check things off, you're creating momentum that will push you forward to be able to complete um, complete an assignment. And then breaks. If you're going to take breaks, you're going to take them a frequency of, so let's say you do work periods of 36 minutes, which is not ideal, which I'll get into a second about the Pomodoro technique, which I personally use, have tested and use and love. But let's say you um, you study in frequencies of 30 to 60 minutes and you get work done. If you do all your work at once, you're going to burn out and you will not be able to get as much work done as if you take breaks. So if you work for 30 minutes, as I was saying, take a five minute break. If you work for 60 minutes, take a 10 minute break. So when you, you need to know when to stop, if you can know when to stop, you'll go far in life. It is knowing when to stop that will help you so much with studying and just get away from your desk when during your breaks or do something, just get away from your desk and pull yourself from your studying environment just for a little bit. So that you can, so that you won't burn out while you're doing. And then Ben, what do you think about breaks? And then you can get going on the Pomodoro technique. Um, yeah, you know, it's all about perfect balance between how long your breaks are, how long you're studying before those breaks, and um, when you're stopping and just moving away. Um, you want to make sure, you know, you're spending enough time before you take a break, um, enough where you can um, stay engaged the whole time and you're not fading off and losing focus, but um, enough where you're not kind of breaking down your attention span. If you only study for five minutes at a time and then spend 15 minutes on your phone, then you're not going to um, have a good attention span going forward. You're not really going to improve that. You're not going to be able to work for any longer. You're going to build bad habits. And then you got to know when to step away. You got to get into that routine when you're working and you're getting stuff done. You're taking the breaks when needed. And then just know when to stop, step away, go to the gym go outside, go see some friends for a little bit, and then just know how to, once you get back, just get right back in and get back into that routine. Yeah, so I think, that's like you were saying, yeah. you know, on your longer breaks, get at the gym, go see some friends. But on these shorter breaks of like five, 10 minutes, don't open your phone. Because if you open your phone and start looking at social medias, you will get sucked in and you, chances are, you probably won't get back to your work. And when you do get back to your work, you're just going to have your phone right there. And it's just going to be hard. And then also... Yeah. If you, when you do start studying, leave your phone outside the room. And if someone calls you or texts you, just tell them, text them and see, ask them if you can get back to them as soon as possible. Because you really don't want to interrupt your studying. Because when you get a good study, I'm sure all of us know, it's just good to keep going for a good period of time. And during those five, 10 minutes, that's when you refill your water, get a snack, get something. You don't want to really be interrupting your studying besides those breaks. Yeah, you, you know, with the phone thing, I think that's something I can relate to a lot. Um, a lot of time it can get easily distracted by my phone. And, you know, it might be hard, but I think it is definitely best 
just put your phone outside the room. Just not pay attention to that because you might just look at your phone for one second to check one thing. That's going to turn into five minutes, which turns into 10 minutes, which turns into an hour. And then you just can't get back and you're studying and you're just going to put it off till the next day because, yeah. yeah, you've lost all your motivation at that point. So, Tyler, do you want to get us into the Pomodoro the technique? Thing? Yes. Okay, real quick. I'm a big advocate for the Pomodoro technique. I picked it up about, about five months ago, and I, I use it a lot. I really do like it. So, real quick, the Pomodoro technique. Oh, Pomodoro is an Italian word for tomato, by the way, if you know that. And that just comes from the guy who created it. He was Italian, and he had a clock that was a tomato or it was one of the tomato looking clocks. So he's called it the Pomodoro technique. So what it is, is you work for 25 minutes then you break for five minutes. You do that four times and you take a 20 minute break. And that is a cycle. That one cycle is two hours and 20 minutes. And you repeat that cycle as many times as you need to until you complete the work that you need to do. And then um, you feel you can, so sometimes when you start studying, you feel you can work forever but then you just go until you burn out and you need to pace yourself. Cause if you just go until you burn out, you'll get a lot less work done than you will. If you pace yourself, if you pace yourself, you can go for ever. You can go for a really long time. And uh, I think that's it for me, Ben. What about you? Yeah. You know, I think that's a great technique and um, one of the great ways to study, you know, I haven't really used it before, I know you've talked about it and it seems like a great um, way to study. So I'll definitely be using that in the future. And I think you guys who are listening should definitely look into that too. So, you know, I think we're done here. Thank you everyone for listening. Um, It's been a good podcast. We'll be back next time. Um, Yeah, that's it for me. All right. Okay, guys, we will see you next week for um, our next episode. All right. Thank you and good night. Information included in this episode was from Med School Insiders, Eater News, and Well Good News.